devices out. Thank you, Fred. I appreciate it. That's good. You're, you've helped me just leave it right there. Put those, one of these is building fund. So let's make sure that we get that. That's building fund. Put that in the clear box in the back. And that one goes in the black box. Okay. Thank you, Frank. Appreciate it. Pray for Angie, too. She's not feeling well this morning. And we appreciate all that Frank and Angie and Jennifer and Jen do for the church when it comes to worship. All right. That's good. We're thankful. Have you enjoyed the Good News series? We could talk every day uh, and not uh, exhaust all about the good news <laughs> of what Jesus has done for us. And um, I have really enjoyed it. Just to review real quick, we talked about, um, if I do that, these aren't bifocals, so I can't see Tim, but I can see the glare off of his head. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we talked about it's good news that the king has come. If we delay the arrival of the king and we put it out in the future somewhere, he is not only the king who has come and is come and is to come, he's the king right now. And we have the privilege of ruling and reigning with him in this life. And if he isn't king right now, then we don't have a, any authority to rule and to reign. And so it's very important for us to understand the good news that the king has come. Amen? Yes. yes. And on Easter Sunday, we talked about the gospel, the good news, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, the simplicity of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, verses 1 through 5. And then because of the gospel, then we have the sign, uh, the good news of a changed life. We see the impact that the change that God has made in us is good news signaling to others that he, is, he can too transform their lives the way that he has transformed our lives. And then last week we talked about the good news about the good shepherd. And uh, I'm thankful that he still has compassion for his flock and he's moved with compassion and what he has done, he can still do in Jesus' name. Amen? Wonderful. So this morning we're gonna talk about in the conclusion of the Good News series, we're gonna talk about the finished work. The gospel is good news to all people because the gospel reveals how fully included we are in Christ by God's doing. The truth, listen to this, the truth is already the truth before anyone believes it. You, you, it doesn't become truth when you believe it. I'll give you an example. A diamond doesn't become a diamond when you discover it. God just hid the treasure for man, not from man. Get a hold of that. So the truth is not being, see you, <laughs> it's like a pearl of great price. Do you know what that pearl is? It's you and it's me. God didn't hide himself from us. He had a treasure in us. And the truth about us is not the truth when somebody else believes it. It's the truth because he said it's the truth. You are a diamond that is a hidden treasure for man to discover, not hidden from man. 
This is why we preach with passion, with urgency, with persuasion, in order to awaken every man's mind and to instruct every man and present every man perfect in Christ. Did you get it? We preach with passion and persuasion because we're trying to get your mind to be awakened to the fact that you are perfect in Christ. Why? Because of the finished work. That was Colossians 1.28. Christ is our message of good news because the mystery that had been hidden for centuries and decades has now been revealed in Christ. The Old Covenant those people didn't get to see the revelation of who Father was because they didn't see Jesus. But Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So to pass the smell test, a lot of people are becoming atheists not because of uh, God and what God has done. It's because of the God that has been represented, or should I say misrepresented, by the church. The good news unveils the love of God spectacularly. The gospel of Christ and His finished work can, listen, can and have been underestimated, but it can never be exaggerated. You cannot exaggerate the goodness of God. You cannot exaggerate the finished work of what Christ has done for us at the cross. Multitudes are living in torment of hell right now because they have never heard the truth about their redemption. What a waste to postpone redemption life for to an afterlife experience when it can be enjoyed right now. Mm. Sin in its disguise doesn't have what it takes to match the attraction and the total contentment and appeal of the Christ life, even remotely. It cannot compare. So if this is what God has done through Christ and it's good news, then why aren't we sharing it? Now our motto and kind of our mantra has always been, grace life is a place to believe, be loved, and belong. But I also want us to start uh, knowing, experiencing, and uh, proclaiming that because of God's grace, we are sharing the good news everywhere, every day to everyone. You know, there were four lepers in Second Kings, the seventh chapter, who were hungry. They'd been cast out of the city. They didn't have any food. They were dying. They were lepers. They were unclean. They couldn't be around other people. And if you would read the story in Second Kings, the seventh chapter, you will find out that uh, God caused the enemy to thought, think that there was a great army coming in. They fled and they left all of their tents with silver, gold, clothes and everything. And these lepers come up on this and they're empty tents and they're eating all of the food and the delicacies and they're putting on the clothes and they're kind of swimming in all of the riches. And this is what they say. Look at the screen in verse 9. They said to one another, this is not right. This is the day of what? Good news. Good news. And we aren't sharing it with anyone. Let's not wait until morning. Come on. Let's go back and tell all of the people. If I find, Michael, a 
the best steakhouse in Taze Valley. And I keep going there and I never tell you about it. And then you one day experience it. You're going to say, why didn't you tell me about that? I've been missing out on all this for all this time. Listen, the best news that you could ever share with anyone, the greatest experience, the greatest discovery that you've ever made is that God loves you, that Jesus died for you while you were yet a sinner. Christ gave his life for you and to you. You ought to be sharing it with everybody that you come in contact with. Now, I'm not talking about being a Bible thumper and trying to shove something down somebody's throat. I'm just talking about being passionate with an urgency and persuasion to share the best news. I, I'm reading a book called The Divine Embrace by Francis Dutois. Very great book. I would encourage you to read it. And one of the things that he says is the saddest thing about the church and sharing the good news is that we have included hell in the... Oh, I, that didn't go over very well. The good news has nothing to do with hell. You know, if we come to the end of a message and we've scared people and then we want a show of hands of how many people believe because I scared you about hell, that's not the gospel. That's not good news. It's good news all by itself and it is way more attractive and appealing if we will share redemption life with other people and simply the finished work of what God has done for you and for me. It's the message that we share and it's one of reconciliation not separation. Please look at the screen and get that and take a picture of it or write it down, make a mental note of it. There is no separation between God and man. Your sin does not separate you from God because Jesus already dealt with that sin at the cross. Now in your mind, Adam and Eve's sin did not separate them from God. They thought it had, and in their minds they ran from God and they hid, but God came looking from them, so it didn't separate God from them. Because, so this message of good news and the finished work of the cross is one of reconciliation, not separation. That's good news. It's a message about the love of Messiah, not the law of Moses. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says that when the law of Moses is read, until this day it places a veil over men's hearts that they can't see Christ. It's a message of good news about deliverance from bondage. You are no longer a slave to sin and to death. You are now under grace. It is a message about sonship, not sinship. I want to preach to the sun in you, not the sin in you. Well, you don't know what they did last night. You don't know where they were, what they said, what they watched, what they listened to. Neither do I, nor do I about you. But I want to talk to the sun in you because it's about sonship, not sinship. And it's the message of the finished work of the cross. Write this scripture down. Meditate on this scripture this week. Proverbs 25, 25. I'd like to read it to you from the Passion Translation. Like a drink of cool water refreshes a weary, thirsty soul, so hearing good news revives the spirit. Man, I don't have any water today. Here we go. Did you lick it? That's an inside joke. You guys have been traveling in the desert dusty 
You've had no water for days. You're weary. You're thirsty. You are parched. You need your thirst quenched. And you start coming towards me, and I have cool glasses of water for each one of you, and you know that it's going to quench your thirst. You know exactly what that water will do for you, and I am anxious to give it to you, and when you get to me, all I do is throw it in your face. Now, what did that do for you? Make you mad. You wanted to drink it. You wanted your thirst quenched. But that's what most in Christianity are doing. They have the best news that could ever be shared with a dry and thirsty land and people. And what we're doing is that we are throwing it in their face. A cool drink of water is like good news that revives the spirit. We need to be sharing the good news. This isn't right, those lepers said. We should go at once and share the good news. What is the finished work? What, what do you mean when you talk about the finished work of the cross? John, the 19th chapter. I soaked everything. That's the way people feel when they get, get it thrown in their face. John 19.30, that was a good year. When It says, when Jesus had taken the vinegar, he said, it is finished. Underline that in your Bible, because we're going to look at what the Greek means right there. Then he bowed his head and handed over his spirit. Now, I, there is no way that I could pronounce. I'm a Greek student. I am not a Greek scholar, and I do not speak Greek, but I love the Greek language. Look at this next uh, thing on the screen. I can't say that word. And matter of fact, I misspelled it on the screen, and I apologize. It's T-E-T-E-L-E-S-T-A-I. And if you have a King James Bible, it probably has that in the scripture. That's what Jesus said. It's very important. Sometimes one word, see how that is one word in the Greek, but it's broken down. It's a phrase in the English. It is finished, but it's one word in the Greek. And the meaning here communicates the final consummation of all things. Everything is now concluded. In the English language, we have past, present, and future tenses of verbs. I am running. I ran. I will run. In the Greek, there are eight tenses along with different genders. And uh, this verb, I, I know you probably won't understand it, but I want to communicate that it is a perfect passive tense of the verb, which means that it was an action that, was completed in the past, but it the effects are which regard a continuing into the present without end. In other words, what Jesus did at the cross 
took place one time over 2,000 years ago, but the effects of what took place in that finished work is an action which affects us into the present day and will continue without end to affect generations upon generations. That is powerful. So can I ask you a question just for something for you to ponder on, meditate, ask the Spirit to deal with you about? Is what God did for you through Jesus at the cross greater than what Adam... Who's the greater man? <laughs> but man, we will dwell on what Adam did and what Adam sent us into. But since the cross, no man has been born in Adam. We're all born in Christ. Just chew on that for a little bit. God's final word that he spoke to us in sonship carries more weight than anyone could guess or define. It is in the one who bears the very stamp of God's nature and radiates the Father's being. Who is that? Jesus. The one seated on the throne of mankind's innocence said it is finished. In other words, he was saying it was brought to an end. It's complete. It's paid in full. It's fulfilled and accomplished. That's what's wrapped up in the finished work of Jesus. So anything that was prophesied in the Old Testament about the Messiah to come to come was fulfilled. The law of Moses that could not be kept by mankind was completely fulfilled in Christ. He fulfilled it all and accomplished it. The classic Greek here depicts a turning point. When he said it is finished, he was saying that one period or era was ending and that another was beginning. It was the end of the old covenant system and he was launching us into the new covenant system. That is what took place at the cross in the finished work of Jesus. That's a good place to clap your hands and say thank you Jesus. <laughs> now, what is our response to that? Simple, rest. Our response to what God did through Christ and in Christ at the cross is to rest. Our response is, a, that, is that a work of redemption, reconciliation, and regeneration has taken place. The weight has been lifted. The, the weight of the heaviness of the law is gone. He took it, the burden from us, and now we can take a sigh of relief Believe in it and rest. I love Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30 in the message translation. It says, are you tired? Worn out. Burn out on religion. Come to me. That's my favorite part of it. Burn out on religion. Why? Because what he's talking about is the burden of the law that the Jewish, these Pharisees and Sadducees had put these people under. Are you burnt out with it? Come to me. Get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. In other words, if you'll rest, you'll end up doing more on accident than you ever did on purpose for God because it's unforced rhythms. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. You'll learn to live freely, and lightly rest 
Because of the finished work, the sting of death is gone. The burden of the law is lifted. Good news today, we are blessed with the benefits of the finished work. Now in the Hebrew, the word benefit is the same word as reward. So he did the work. This is what makes us more than conquerors. Watch this. He did the work on the cross and he finished it, but we get all of the benefits. We get the you know what his reward was? The scripture said that he endured, he despising the shame, he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Do you know what his joy was? You, you are, I am, we are. We were his joy and his reward. Isn't that something? And he finished the work so now that we can have the benefit. Listen, we have been blessed with a divine benefit package. Everybody wanting a new job, and the first question they ask is, what's the benefit package? How much PTO do I get? How many vacation days do I get? What's the insurance like? The benefit package. Am I talking to anybody? You have a divine benefit package today. And I quickly want to review Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Forget not all of His benefits. Actually, the word there is rewards. Forget not all of the rewards that He's giving you. David is saying this prior to the cross. That here's some of the benefits. You ready? There's five of them. Number one, forgiveness. I love the Passion Translation. 103 of Psalm, verse 3. You kissed my heart with forgiveness in spite of all I'd ever done. Despite all of my offenses, all my faults, all my flaws, all of my mistakes, He has forgiven all of my iniquities. What are iniquities? Your iniquities are the immoral and the grossly unfair behavior that you were acting out. And He's forgiven you of all of it. He's forgiven us of all of our sins. Nothing that you have done, nothing that I have done, nothing that you will ever do will cause you to be unforgiven. <laughs> oh, help me, Jesus. Matter of fact, he doesn't even remember them anymore. Hebrews 10, 17 says, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. It's a benefit. It's a reward. Now where there is remission of these sins, there is no longer an offering for sin. In other words, you don't go back to the altar to keep making a sacrifice for sin because He did it once and for all. He redeemed you. The benefit of forgiveness was yours the moment that He gave His life to you. Forgiveness did not occur when you asked for it. Just like I said that truth is truth before you believe it. You were forgiven before you ever asked for it. Would you confess something with me out loud today? Would you confess this? Say, I am fully forgiven and free from all shame and all condemnation. Number two, one of the rewards is healing. He forgives us of all of our sins. He has healed us from all, every disease. Some commentaries define disease as hardship, difficulty, or a setback to due, due to sickness in the body. Anybody ever had any hardship, difficulty, or setback due to a sickness that was in the body? Webster's defines dis, dis, I was going to say dizziness. Defines disease as any illness, 
sickness, virus, or disorder that attacks the body. Another definition is anything that is corrupting and causing deterioration mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually. And by his stripes, we have been healed of all, the reward is all of our diseases. Now, it doesn't matter what the body is saying to you. You are whole, well, and healed. Our confession, I was talking to a pastor from South Carolina last night, and he's suffering from bronchitis. We talked for 30 minutes, and he coughed about the whole time, and he's supposed to preach this morning. I'm sure he is preaching because he's healed. But he was coughing, and he said, I, you know, this sickness, I can't get over this, this bronchitis. I said, listen, your confession every day is the same, whether you're having symptoms or you're not having symptoms. The confession is still the same. Peter 2.24 added with Psalm 103 that it is a benefit and a reward of the finished work of the cross that by his stripes I am healed. I cannot explain to you while some may get instantly healed that others are gradually healed and some are ultimately healed. I can't explain that to you. But I know that the Lord is good and all that he does is good and everything, all of his intentions are good for us. God does not cause sickness. He did not put sickness on you. And I would like to say that the defeated devil who has been stripped of all of his powers, derobed, dearmed, and just is a piece of garbage under the, my feet <laughs> can't make you sick either. So don't blame it on the devil. Confess this with me out loud today, if you will. I am completely whole, physically, mentally, emotionally, and in every area of my life. Number three, redemption, forgiveness, healing, redemption. Verse four says, who has redeemed my life from destruction. He's rescued you from the destruction that you would have caused in your own life. <laughs> Can I get a witness? He has saved us. Every single thing about the finished work is redemptive. Would you start praying this prayer, Lord, give me cross-eyed vision. Did you get it? Pray for cross-eyed vision. Because if I can filter it through the cross, <laughs> moaning like that, it makes a big difference. When I'm not filtering it through the cross, it will be my own vision and it will be distorted, it will be blurry, and then I will misrepresent, it, misrepresent what God has done. He brings deliverance right into the middle of the benefit passion. And with that redemption, there's protection. He is saving us from hell on earth. He's redeemed us from hell on earth that we would put ourselves in. In Psalm 130, David declares, My hope is in the Lord, for with him there is abundant redemption. Hebrews 9.12 declares that by the blood of Jesus, the high priest who entered into the holy place and sprinkled his blood once and for all, listen to this, you have eternal redemption. Now let's go, we're going to confess one more thing. Let's confess this together. I am, I am 
protected from all harm and evil. I am eternally redeemed from death and destruction. Now let's get real happy on number four. A reward and a benefit of the finished work is a coronation. You crowned my life with loving kindness and tender mercies. This is, you have crowned me like a king with your love, your kindness, your compassion, and your grace. Psalm 65, 11 says, You crown this year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. It's a benefit that we shouldn't forget that we are royalty. Because the king has already come. That's good news. The king has already crowned our lives with loving kindness and tender mercies. And we are a royal priesthood. That means you wear a crown. You're you crown me with confidence and I am seated in the heavenly place undefeated with the one who has conquered it all. That's a song. Remember the lyrics that you have crowned me with confidence. I'm seated in the heavenly place right now undefeated with the one who's conquered it all. He wore a crown of throne, uh, thorns so that you could wear a crown of triumph. Frank, if you would come. We're going to say it out loud again. Confess with me. I have... No insecurities because I see myself as he sees me. Loved, protected, and accepted. Number five, strength. Strength is a benefit. He says in verse five, David does of Psalm 103, you satisfy my every desire with good things. You wrap me in your goodness. The Passion Translation says it this way, You have supercharged my life so that I soar again, restoring my strength and my beauty as in my youth. Hmm. I'm flying like an eagle in the sky, always young in your presence. This word strength here is to be content. It means that we have fully been supplied with whatever is necessary. Do you know that right now in America there is a shortage of a lot of the supply chain? I'm working on a project and it's we're eight to ten weeks out when we order fencing before we can get that fencing. We ordered an electronic component for our breaker box on this job. We ordered it in October and they're telling us that it's somewhere out in the sea coming from China but we ordered it in October. There's a supply chain shortage. Can I tell you that God's supply chain does not have a shortage today? He is still providing everything that is necessary for your life, and that will give us strength. This means to be free from doubt, to be free from suspense and uncertainty, because it is in that suspense and in that uncertainty that anxiety will rise. We're not anxious about the things that have happened. We're anxious about things that may never happen. So this frees us from the suspense of uncertainty. It causes our minds to be at rest. I'm talking about the strength of God. That is a benefit and a reward of the finished work. Personal happiness is a byproduct of the love of God poured abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. 
So this is the last thing that we will confess today. Let's stand to our feet. Say, I am fully resourced to do everything God has called me to do. I am fully resourced and have everything He says I can have. Thank you, Jesus, for the finished work. Amen. We tend to be unmindful, insensitive, and even careless about these benefits at times. But David says, talk to yourself. See how he starts out Psalm 103? Bless the Lord, O my soul. Talking to yourself. And forget not. Remember what God has done for us through Jesus at the cross. Hmm. You just close your eyes and begin to imagine all of that right now. What shall I render unto Jehovah for all of his benefits towards me? I'm, I'm asking you the question that David asked himself. Think about it right now as you imagine all that he has accomplished for you. What shall I render unto Jehovah for all of his benefits? Think the last song that we sang this morning before the message. I throw up my hands and all I can say is thank you. A hallelujah of gratitude. Hearts with, filled with gratitude, mouths filled with praise for all that you have done. If we can sing that again, Frank, this morning. And you respond and how the Holy Spirit is dealing with you right now.